2: Money starts right now. Live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lear. Traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Steve Grasso, and Guy Adami. Looking fresh and tan from that vacation. <laughs> Tonight on Fast, America's fallen out of love with Bitcoin. Say it ain't so, but as prices and interest plunge, one crypto bull says it could mark a bottom. He will be here to explain. Plus, it's a media M&A frenzy in Sun Valley, Idaho, where all the big wigs in the space are meeting. So who will emerge as a big winner? Media mogul and former top box Bigwig Peter Chernin will be here with an exclusive interview. But first, we start off with the markets. The Dow sinking 220 points today, closing near the lows of the session after Trump slapped fresh tariffs or threatened to slap fresh tariffs on China. But today, the trade war got a little more personal. In fact you could say it hit home, taking stocks right in your living room to the woodshed. We're talking names like Restoration Hardware, Wayfair, Williams-Sonoma, Tapestry, Estee Lauder, all getting crushed on expectations that their products will cost more soon. So did the trade war just get real for the U.S. consumer? What could it mean for the markets. Guy, welcome back.
3: Thank you. Did it get real? Yeah, I was in Wyoming for a week. Nobody seems to care about tariffs in Wyoming. (laughs) They can't spell it either. So I was at home in Wyoming. But I think the broader market is where you need to look. And before I left, we talked about the market was testing its lows on the back of trade fears. And and one of the things we said was into Fourth of July week, it'll be a holiday week. The market's going to go higher because this administration views the market as a report card. That's effectively what happened. But now I think we're at the top end of the range, 2,800 in the S&P. I think the market probably drifts back down and tests that 2,700 level, which makes sense. But the stocks you want to look at, restoration hardware, which has been a monster. Tim talked about that two years ago when the stock was probably trading 50. Look at it now. Valuation is reasonable, tremendous EPS growth. The problem is, and the reason why it's been lower, 75% of their merchandise comes from China. I think it's all a smokescreen. I think you get a chance to buy it cheaper. But if it trades 115, you buy it with both hands. So, first of all,
1: theater of Pain, Motley Crue, 85, great album. We have to acknowledge that, even on a I series. I had no idea. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I was Thanks there. Thanks for the I, know I, was, yeah. I feel so, better for so it. So, here's – last night we talked about – and I, the only reason to bring up last night's show is we were on the edge of maybe seeing the S&P breakout. This news came out right also at showtime. And I have to tell you, I thought the market was going to actually, before that news, be in a position to break out. We don't need to get into the reasons why. But what's different about this and why I have to feel more cautious now, this new list of 200 billion wasn't a new investigation. This was a supplement to an existing Section 301 investigation. What does that mean? instead of having a hundred, another 360 days from which to negotiate to an end, this now fast-forwards that track, and it really looks like this administration is serious about attaching this to a decision by August 23rd or 24th. This is very real. If they were just jawboning, they would not have necessarily but it was made already it out as a there, supplementary action. It was, was it? It was, it, yeah, I, it I was, was already out
4: there. Whether it was brought forth, I, I, Tim's point is accurate. Another $200 was, billion was
2: really out there? because what It was said always was out there. there. It was, it was 34,
4: it was 16, and it was 200. But it, okay. the time period and the timeline to Tim's point, has changed. So I think so that's that, that's yeah. the thing that the market has to add into the calculus. But I, I would see this as a victory. Why? Because the market tapped for, yeah, the, for the bulls. Because the market was ticking. Well, first of all, that number is 2792 that we have to take out. Not not 2800. We closed yesterday 2793. Indecisive in the marketplace. You get into the thick of earnings. This market is not going down. It's going up.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, uh, is your point that 70 basis points on a day like today it could have been a lot worse when we were at the top of the range? I'm trying to understand the your 50 point.
4: The 50-day moving average in the S&P is 45 handles lower, 43 handles lower in the S&P. Today to close at 2774, when we were all dramatic about how the market was breaking out, we're only 20 handles lower. It could
2: have been worse. It right could have then. been
4: worse. The market absorbed it. This is a tape bomb. This is NATO. I think at this point, you're going to see the market get its footing again and rally higher.
5: I agree with Steve. I thought this 71 basis points was really a nothing when you step back and think about the rhetoric here of are we really entering a trade war? So there's a few things. I think people don't really believe it's going to happen or they believe that even if it happens, it's gonna be pretty short and that Trump will negotiate something. That's what he likes to do, right? He likes to create havoc and chaos and then ultimately come and negotiate something that he can declare victory, hopefully something that's face-saving for China. China can declare victory as well. I think the market has a lot of hope that that's still an outcome that is likely. Can he sure, declare but, victory but, right now? but, I no. don't know. Well, I, their why? market's
4: down 12 percent, his market's up percent. Is that 7, a victory for us because we're hurt
2: less than them?
5: Well,
4: Yes, that is a victory for him. Wait, wait, wait. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying to the point that Guy made it at the top of the show. He considers the stock market to his to be his barometer of success. Which, when he's looking at it, he's looking at their market versus ours.
5: Okay, Would, but when you say – sorry, sorry. But when you say declare victory – what are you saying about pushing in the right these, direction? But are you saying implementing these next 200 no. or oh, pushing so in the saying, right direction? And saying what though? I th- negotiating, oh, negotiating his okay.
4: way, the art of the deal, pushing, and he'll look at it as that we import from them. Uh, $506 it, billion versus the $130 billion.
1: Here's why I would take the total opposite side. I agree with the concept you guys are talking about. I agree this administration uses the stock market as a gate. That's what scares me. Stock market's barely, you know, 2% off of all-time highs, and here we are. They think this is going to be fine. Guess what? The consequences of this are not going to make it fine. This is starting to have collateral damage into the supply chain. We're getting into the depths of what this truly means. And, I, and I you know, $200 billion alone I still also don't think is going to wreck the world, but if you you start talking about a 10% tariff uh, and there's collateral dominoes to fall from here, This is major CPI impact, major consumer pullback, major equity revaluation.
2: Well, that not just the impact to the consumer in terms of the price hikes and the inflationary impact, but also if you think about China retaliating, they don't have that much to retaliate on in terms of their goods that they buy from the U.S. So how can they retaliate? They can do other things. They can block deals. They may step off the pedal in terms of buying treasuries. They could do all sorts of things to the supply chains of U.S. companies, which could rattle the markets more than just 250 billion dollars in goods which have tariffs on them. And
3: I'm glad you brought that up. And not to get political here, but the president today went after Germany, Effectively, I'm paraphrasing, but said Germany is effectively beholden to the Russians. We can agree or disagree. He said it, I didn't. But if that's true, if you just carry that forward, that means effectively we're beholden to the Chinese for all the reasons you just mentioned. So if they decide, you know what, let's do something with our U.S. Treasury position or even worse, devalue our currency, which last we saw in August of 2015 then you have an issue. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but if you just carry it forward, that to me is really the black swan.
2: So how do do we trade here? When we see drawdowns today in names like a restoration hardware, a Wayfair, what do you do? You look through or you you say, you know what, no touch?
1: I I think the consumer is going to be more impacted than they think, and I think we were already worried about CPI. It doesn't happen overnight, though. So I I think the short-term impact is going to be – you know, I don't know how significant it's going to be. I will say that think of the sector uh, and consumer discretionary. Think of the run that they've been on. Think of what some of the apparel retailers. Think of a Michael Kors. Think of a Restoration Hardware. Think of a William sonoma These stocks that went off the the, the life support into being rightfully very interesting picks, Mm -hmm. especially with a consumer with more spending power. I don't think you need to buy those names tomorrow, even though I don't think the businesses for those companies have been wrecked overnight.
5: Yeah. Karen? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. If you look at what happened to a Michael Kors today, I mean, it was down probably four four and change dollars at one point. It closed well higher than that. Same for Tapestry, same for some others, which to me just sort of bolsters my theory of, the market saying
1: tapestry, mm-hmm. formerly known as Coach, Coach yeah. correct. So weird. Formerly known as weird. Kate,
5: also at some point. So anyway, anyway, uh, I, I think that we still we're 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 looking at this microscopically. I think the picture is a step back, much bigger. We don't know the end game right. yet, and so to try to trade on these names in the middle of it seems very difficult. Something like a Boeing, okay, down six bucks. That's a little bit of a move, but I thought the run up was pretty pretty far, pretty fast.
2: Anyway. So I'd wait, but
5: I do think this trade thing will get resolved. All right.
2: Our next guest says, don't worry about the trade war. He has one simple chart that points to new market highs. So let's get straight to the plasma. Where we find Fast Money friend Tony Dwyer, the chief market strategist at Canaccord Genuity, chomping at the bit to give us his uber-bullish thesis. Tony.
6: Well, Mel, it certainly doesn't feel uber-bullish over the last month or so, but actually the market's been up 4% in the last week. And being at the top end of the range, I really kind of wanted to go through – Early in the year, we were we were on the show very cautious, thinking we were going to correct because there was just a ridiculous level of economic and market enthusiasm. That's been checked off. You have the Investors Intelligence Bulls, which are the newsletter writers, as measured by Investors Intelligence, were at 66%. They got down to 40, into the mid-40s last week, bounced a little bit this week, but certainly you can tell that the sentiment is new but bullish. We have unbelievable earnings ahead. We have... This quarter alone, we're going to probably be close to 24% growth rate versus a year ago in S&P operating profits. And as Steve said, I think that's a really important thing because that puts our core thesis in play. Our core thesis, and forget about my opinion. You know, I'm good at being wrong. I proved that on the banks in the last few weeks. Um, The core thesis is the market moves with the direction of earnings. And as long as the economy is positive, that direction of earnings is going up. So what I want to do is take a look at you know, the data behind that, because as you know, I'm all about the data. That's your, that's your 90s. That's your last cycle. This is your current cycle. You can have a lot of volatility. Unless you're going negative economically, you don't want to sell into weakness in the market. It may take a little while to come back. And I'm not saying you're not going to get corrections. I'm just saying outside of a very clearly identified recession period, you don't want to sell weakness. You want to buy it.
2: Tony comes over. It is a statement. Tony comes By the way, over. Before Michelle he gets here, can I say one Thank thing? He's
3: Tapestry, tapestry, tapestry is one of the great Carole King it albums. It is indeed. Top five album for me. I know Tim feels the same I, way. Sorry. I don't I'm know why here. you're admitting that on no, TV right now. No. <laughs> Sorry.
2: Okay, back to business, Tony. Back to business. Um, let's say that the tariffs on $200 billion worth of goods go into effect at the end of August. Does that make you less optimistic that $3,200 will be the year end? target or level of the S&P 500. So
6: I had a 20 multiple. I raised my estimate by five dollars a share. That's (laughs) that estimate's probably going to be too low. I think it's just shenanigans to change your multiple just because. I don't care if it's 19. I don't care if it's 20. It's significantly higher than here. And what a 20 multiple is more a statement of conviction. Like if I get it right exactly, it's luck. It's total wet luck. You're doing valuation based on directional move, and the directional move should still be higher. So Tariffs at the end of August, does that change my view? The ultimate answer is no. And the re- unless it has enough power to make earnings go negative. But isn't it going to sl- slow global growth? You mean like the 90s when we ripped higher both in valuation and earnings? You mean like um, the, the middle part of this cycle where we, yes, we had c- pretty big corrections in 2011, 2012. 2016, we thought the whole globe was going into recession. And that proved to be a low. So I think we have to be careful and remember. This is a service-based economy or 25%, about 25% of global GDP. We are interest rate driven, we are credit driven, and credit is still flowing pretty well.
4: So, Tony, tell me why I'm wrong if I look at a company, and I know you don't want to talk about a specific company like Restoration Hardware, but the company comes from a mid-to-high 30s effective tax rate, gets dropped down to a lower mid-20 effective tax rate. I'm, I'm guessing those are in the ballpark. How does that not mitigate whatever exposure they
6: have to tariffs? So, so here's a great point, Steve, and let's take it away from that one. What's priced into the market? So you look at a company like Fastenal. We don't follow it. I don't comment on specific stocks. This is not a recommendation in any way. Look at how the stock reacted to earnings. It's an industrial name that was getting hit with the rest of the market, came out with earnings that beat expectations, and I think the last I looked, it was up like 10% on the day. So the point isn't think of Facebook. Back when, remember, Facebook was getting revalued because it was going to have regulatory risk. How many shows were done on Facebook's revaluation on regulatory risk? That one, we do have a buy on a can accord, and we didn't move. That was the buy point. You could have been early by 5%, 10%, kind of felt like an idiot like I do on banks recently. But that's your buy point. That's not your sell point unless you have an identifiable recession in sight, which is predetermined by an inversion of the curve, and the tax rates are just help.
3: Real quick. Oh, I'm sorry, Mel. Qu- quick question yes. or no? Qu- corporate debt to GDP, 46% basically now, the largest it's been in quite some time. Is that a concern?
6: This is going to end so badly. You cannot <laughs> fix debt with exponentially more debt. But as the yield curve narrows, it accelerates debt. If you need to make a certain return as a credit fund investor and your returns are coming down, how do you get that needed return? Well, you lever it. And then it shuts off like a switch, especially in shadow banking, when you invert the curve which is why that's my thing. I am you guys saw me earlier this year. I'm not always bullish. I will always buy weakness unless you've already inverted the curve and just as a reminder, your median gain from the date of inversion of the 210 spread over the last 7 cycles is 21% over an additional 18 and a half months.
2: Tony, good to see you. Thank
6: you. Thanks for having me. Tony good to Dwyer.
2: All right, coming up, the media wars heating up with Fox taking the latest swing. So who will come out on top? Media mogul and former Fox bigwig Peter Chernin will be here. Plus, airlines getting absolutely crushed today. Americans sinking 8% after cutting its guidance. We'll tell you how much worse could get and if a pricing war is just around the corner. And later... As you see, guys, back from vacation, okay, he happy he looks. he's ready to pitch. Worthy. He's gonna pitch one big farm name he says could be on the verge of a major breakout. If you're watching Fast Money on CNBC. Don't go anywhere. Much more fast still ahead.
3: You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX with a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.
2: Investors have been doing anything but flying on the airline stocks this year as the biggest names in the space plunge. And the group got hit even harder today after American cut guidance. The stock saw its worst day in two years. Phil Lebeau, CNBC royalty, making a special mm-hmm. and rare <laughs> onset appearance here at the NASDAQ. I feel. Oh, a
7: rough day if you were an rough. American rough. investor. And, yes. and here's the deal yeah, with rough. their... Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's for sure. Year, yeah.
7: That's for sure. And we're going to get the first airline earnings tomorrow morning. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Here's the guidance from America, and this is what spooked investors. They're still expecting positive revenue per available seat mile growth in the second quarter, just not as robust as before. They expect it to be in the range of positive 1% to 3%. The previous guidance was up one5 to 3.5%. And Essentially, when the problem here is that there is limited Fair growth. And when you combine that, along with the fact that they're looking at fuel prices that are up at least 30% in the last year, this is easy to see why shares of American are under pressure, especially today. And it's been like this here for some time. Same thing with Delta United. Really, there's nobody who's escaping this at this point. And speaking of Delta, it reports Q2 earnings tomorrow morning. You don't want to miss Squawk Box. Ed Bastion, CEO of Delta, he will be joining the Squawk Box crew. For an exclusive interview, no doubt the question will be, you've added capacity this year, all the airlines have. It's not that people are not flying, there's a lot of demand out there, but have you added too much capacity in light of what we're seeing with fares?
2: So what do you think the airline's position is in terms of whether or not there will be a price war? And also, I mean, fuel costs year on year, I would imagine, are
7: higher. So they're
2: in sort of a weird position.
7: I don't think there's going to be a price war as we imagine it, as Uh we've seen it historically. But I do think that I would not be surprised if you hear during the conference calls that a number of the airlines are going to dial back their capacity growth expectations. And the airline to focus on, if that's going to be the case, will be united because they're in the midst of this expansion in terms of capacity. Now, you're not looking at the biggest markets. They're primarily trying to grow some of those smaller, mid-sized markets. Still, it is capacity nonetheless, and I think that's what people are expecting.
1: How, how much do you think fuel prices also are going to be? It's almost sometimes airlines have this opportunity to kitchen sink everything. So we're oh, getting, I think that's we, possible. We have this RASM pullback. Absolutely. Back, and, and and fuel prices, no mystery here, up 30 right. 35%. Yeah. So. I think
7: that's a big possibility. And And remember, it starts tomorrow with Delta. Then you have American next week, or United next week, and then American. So... That is what we're going to see here, just not positive news all around.
2: Karen, when do you pull the plug on the airlines?
5: Well, not not today, I think. But I mean, you know, today was the worst day since the other terrible, worst days that we had not that long ago, (laughs) and the one just before that. I mean, you know, I'm always one for valuation, and the valuations here are very compelling. But it has been, but in this
2: backdrop, it's a tougher backdrop, no, than when you first got into the airline.
5: I don't know. I mean, business is booming, right?
2: Uh, The the economy, the demand,
5: the economy, the demand is is there. The demand demand is is there. Exactly. The problem is is.
7: who is going to manage their capacity the best amongst this right. group? And one, the problem with the airlines is one bad actor
1: tends to be imputed yes. upon the whole sector. And we've had different bad actors all, all the way. Right. The, the irony here is that Americans down peak to trough of this cycle, 39 percent, and United's down 15. Mm. Is that really the case? I think a lot of people would point to that Americans made major turnarounds. But uh, these are trading stocks, folks. You've had seven times in the last year to have 15 percent or more trading ranges, up or down?
3: Delta reaffirmed guidance on July 3rd. I don't know what's changed over the last 15 or so days. So my sense is $45 was lying in the sand a year and a half ago. That's where it held and bounced from significantly. I think if it gets down there, it's a huge opportunity, given valuation, which even if they lower guidance, is going to be compelling.
2: Phil, thank you. Great to see you in person. Good to be here. Bill LeBeau. If you want more on the airlines, head over to tradingnation.cnbc.com. A top strategist says the group is ready to rebound. So you want to check that out. Still ahead, break out the colorful vests, the $1,000 T-shirts. We are heading out to Sun Valley, Idaho, to talk to the beautiful people, including media mogul Peter Chernin, about the future of Fox. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, First in Business Worldwide. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast.
8: Say yes to your life, and when it comes to drugs and alcohol... Just say no.
9: And that might apply to pot stocks as well, which have been coming down off their highs. But Tim Seymour says one stock could offer blazing returns. Plus, Bitcoin's been so quiet, you could actually hear a pin drop. Just like that. But a top technician says the lack of volatility could be a good thing. And he'll explain why when fast money returns.
2: Welcome back to Fast Money. Comcast and Fox going to battle over U.K. broadcaster Sky in a bidding war that's heating up. Leslie Pickers back at headquarters with the latest.
8: Hi, Leslie. Hey, Melissa. One of the many bidding wars going on so far in the media world. 21st Century Fox upping its bid for Sky today. The move has implications beyond Fox's newest $32.5 billion offer. The news today has media executives, bankers, and investors all trying to map out the industry landscape amid a multitude of bidding wars. For starters, Sky. The broadcaster has been the target of a years-long bidding war, and with today's newest bid, sources tell CNBC that Comcast, the parent company of NBC, plans to soon top it. To make things more complicated, though, Comcast is also looking to acquire Fox. But Fox is currently in a tie-up with Disney, which agreed to pay more than $71 billion in cash and stock for most of Fox's assets. Comcast is weighing, though, whether to come back with another higher offer. But sources say that today's news actually changes the game and lessens the likelihood that Comcast comes back with a higher bid for Fox, And instead, they say that Comcast may go all in for Sky in order to capitalize on the company's international audience. That would mean abandoning its quest for Fox. But as Disney's stock price gains, the all-cash deal offered by Comcast just keeps getting more expensive to boost from here, Melissa. All right.
2: Thank you, Leslie. Leslie Picker back at headquarters. For more on this escalating war between Comcast and Fox, let's head over to Julia Borson, who's in Sun Valley, Idaho. She's sitting down with Peter Chernin, the CEO of the Chernin Group and a former COO of Fox for an exclusive interview. Julia.
0: Melissa, thanks so much. And Peter, thank you so much for joining us um, from here in Sun Valley. My pleasure. So with everyone talking about what's next for Fox and Sky, safe to say that you know all of the players intimately you used to run Fox, and you mm-hmm. actually advised Comcast on its acquisition of NBC Universal. That
9: was a long time ago.
0: But... A long time ago, <laughs> but you know the players. I do know the players. Which, which of these potential buyers, Disney or Comcast, is better suited as a buyer for Fox?
9: Well, I, I think that... Look, at the end of the day, whoever executes is the better buyer. You know, I think that they both bring uh, very different things to the party. You know, I think Disney brings what is, at this point, arguably the best content in the world to Fox, and, you know, I think their idea is to combine that with Fox. I think the goal for all these people is to build a meaningful direct-to-consumer business, Um, so Disney could combine Fox with their own great content in Marvel and Lucasfilm and Pixar, et cetera. I think what Comcast brings is solid content in Universal and NBC, but 25, 30 million direct customers, existing customers, who are already, they already have a billing relationship with the direct. So I think they're two very different things. I think Disney would have a content head start, and Comcast would have a distribution head start. And then ultimately, it's a function of who executes better.
0: Um, Now, of course, (coughs) there's a question of what's going to happen next if Comcast will make another offer. Disney, of course, already has that $71 billion deal in place. What will it take for Comcast and Brian Roberts to woo and to win over Rupert Murdoch?
9: Well, first of all, I think, you know, at the end of the day, this is the entire shareholders. Because, you know, when it goes to a shareholder vote, Rupert has voting shares, but those voting shares convert into ordinary shares for a shareholder vote. So it's ultimately winning over the shareholders. I think that it probably is it's clearly a higher bid because i assume shareholders perceive there to be some greater uh, regulatory risk with disney and i assume there are some shareholders who prefer the tax implications of a partial stock partial cash bid on disney so i assume it's got to be meaningful but whether that's five percent more ten percent more you know who knows
0: but so do you you know rupert murdoch do you think he's set on disney at this point
9: I THINK EVERY INDICATION IS that, Disney, THAT RUPERT PREFERS DISNEY. I THINK THAT HE BELIEVES IN BOB'S VISION MORE. Um, I THINK HE PROBABLY LIKES THE IDEA OF GETTING DISNEY STOCK um, AND BEING A LARGE SHAREHOLDER IN DISNEY. BUT I DO THINK THAT RUPERT IS NOT QUITE AS... RUPERT'S A MEANINGFUL VOICE. YOU KNOW, I THINK HE HAS ABOUT, WHAT, 17 18% OF THE ECONOMICS VOTES, BUT IT'S NOT 30 40% OF THE VOTES.
0: AND DO YOU THINK THAT BRIAN <clears throat> ROBERTS COULD CHANGE HIS MIND? And with enough cash, absolutely. With enough cash. And what about Sky? Who ends up getting Sky?
9: Well, I think that this is, in some ways, a game of three-dimensional chess. And it is ultimately, you know, it's weird because everybody talks about saying who wins. You know, this is not winning. It's who wants to bid more money for it. And I think who has a bigger appetite, who's willing to take on more debt to do it, who's willing to constrain their balance sheet. And uh, I think there's still a couple of rounds to go.
0: A couple of rounds to go. And if you were a shareholder, which deal would you be more likely to approve or which deal would you prefer
9: i'd take whichever one was higher
0: the higher price right
9: um, now it's, i'm it's, not a very uh, complex guy
0: <laughs> um, now of course you um and <laughs> with otter media have been in business with at&t for years you know randall stevenson very well and you encouraged him to buy time warner uh, which is which is worth noting now that that deal has finally closed now that the deal is closed and they're working on integrating these two companies are you concerned about a culture clash
9: no first of all i think that One thing I say is that deal looks really good, given the context of the price of Fox. I think that looks like a remarkably valuable deal and a remarkably smart deal. It took them a long time to get there, but I think that, as you see, the price of media assets escalating, that looks really good. I don't see. Look, they have been—Randall's been a close friend, but I've been really close partnered with John, Stanky, and Randall for the past, I guess, about three-and-a-half years. And they've been terrific partners, very thoughtful, sensitive. and. These are not unsophisticated guys. These are extremely sophisticated guys and I think have a real sense of the nuances of the media business, and I think they'll be great stewards of it.
0: AT&T yeah. now owns 10% of Hulu, which you created years ago now. Right. Should AT&T try to buy more of Hulu? Is Hulu undervalued? Should they try to buy one of those 30% stakes owned by either Comcast or Disney?
9: Well, look, I think Hulu is wildly undervalued, and I think, I think the real question is whoever gets to consolidate it and gets to largely control it. So I assume that the Fox piece goes to whoever wins between Comcast and Disney. They will have 60%, and I assume they're not a seller at that point.
0: You, th- you think they would not be a seller? I don't think they'll be a seller. Would you want AT&T to try to buy more? I mean, is that something that would benefit I don't AT&T? think it
9: necessarily... No, I, actually, I don't think it benefits to buy more unless you can get over 50%, and B, as I think it's clear that AT&T will use HBO as their direct-to-consumer platform.
0: Do you think HBO has a chance to really rival Netflix or Amazon Prime Video in that video space, direct-to-consumer video space?
9: I guess what I would say is, is of the up-and-coming players, I think HBO is the single best-position player. You know, they already have 30 million U.S. subs, another 50, 60 million global subs. Um, They have four or five direct-to-consumer subs in the U.S but they've got an extraordinarily valuable brand name. And I think, you know, I think at the core of the, and I don't want to speak for them, but in my opinion, at the core of the AT&T-Time Warner merger is the opportunity to take all of that Time Warner content with the HBO brand name and try and figure out ways to grow it with the existing 100 plus million AT&T direct to consumer subscribers.
0: Well, certainly a fascinating time for you and all these companies um, that you've worked with in AT&T, your current partner in Otter Media. Peter Turin, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us here in Sun Valley. Let's get back over to you.
2: All right. Thank you, Julian. Thank you, Peter. Beautiful backdrop there. There's a lot of traffic. Cars was a quiet place. whizzing by. I mean, um, how do you think no. this shakes out?
4: So when you look at it, we all know the story. We all we all think we know the story of the lay of the land. So Fox is up 38% year to date. That one looks like it's running into a wall. Disney is a trade bound range up at the, at the upper end of the trade. Uh, CBS to me looks like it's breaking out. So if I was a buyer in the space, I would still put new dollars to work in CBS. Let's not forget about the one that ties this whole thing in, Netflix. Has recreated the entire space. Up 118% year-to-date. Probably still has more juice left in the tank.
2: You know what we did
10: yesterday? Would you rather? The show?
2: No, 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 no. We neither. did Matchmaker. Match game. We did did love that match, game. Matchmaker. Oh, with the media socks. You're you gallivanting around Wyoming doing this and that. but Funny, that's would the backside of
3: Wyoming where they are. The other side of the Teton Mountains. What would I say to what? The Sorry The matchmaking.
2: <laughs> what combination would you like to see come out of Sun Valley?
3: Ooh, what would I like to see? I'd like to see yeah. Discovery Communications. I'd love to mm. see somebody grab that. Although it's just an initiated neutral at Credit Suisse. I'm with Steve, though, on CBS, and Tom Rogers sat next to Tim Seymour a couple month and a half ago when CBS was trading 50, and he said, I don't know exact word, but grossly undervalued. Stocks mm-hmm. rallied 18% since, and I think if Fox deserves a valuation they get, CBS deserves at least a 12 multiple. I think what what we're learning here is that Disney doesn't necessarily have to do this deal. There's
1: pieces of this deal that they could do. But the bottom line is Disney's got a lot more cash to throw at this problem. But have you heard anybody say that they're going to be better? A lot more cash for
2: Disney or a lot more cash than Comcast? Well, a lot more cash
1: than Comcast. I think At the moment. They they have have more balance sheet flexibility than Comcast, it appears to me. Um, But do you hear anybody saying that throwing more cash at this isn't a problem? I mean, most people are saying, I'm not sure whoever wins this deal wins. And I think that's you know still a, a way to approach this. All right.
2: Still ahead. America's losing interest in Bitcoin as the crypto plunges more than 50% this year. But one Bitcoin bull and top technician says there's something in the charts that points to a bottom. He'll be here. Plus, we are talking pop stocks, so stay tuned. And wow, look how quickly Guy got over to the. He really hustled over there. Fast, though. Stepping up to the Stinky plate fast. to pitch the one big pharma stock he is calling a grand slam for investors. Find out the name when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money Time for everyone's favorite fa- pastime, <laughs> the fast pitch. Guys, since you've been on vacation for the last week, you've had a lot of time to think about the one stock you want to pitch. So give us your best shot. Dude, be I really
3: thought a lot about this on vacation. You know, I did. spent <laughs> hours during the day. What would be a great stock to power pitch? And I came up with <laughs> Pfizer drug. And oddly enough, president went after Pfizer, I think, over the last 24 to 48 hours. But we'll wait on that. Number one, attractive valuation. Yeah, you don't have huge earnings growth with Pfizer, but at 10 and a half times forward earnings, it's hard to knock that. They're making huge biotech investments. Pfizer Ventures is going to invest about $600 million over the next six to nine months in biotech investments. That's a lottery ticket to me that gives you huge optionality in the stock itself. And the price action today, what am I talking about? On a day where the Dow is down $200 after the president publicly went after Pfizer drug and Pfizer announced they're going to roll back these price increases, that stock, in my opinion, should have been down a lot more. What is it telling me? Maybe there's some deal in the back end of this thing. You know, Pfizer announced price increases at the beginning of the month. president said that's not cool. Yesterday he says he's come to this negotiation with Pfizer. They're going to roll it back. I think something's in it for Pfizer at the back end of this thing, not unlike what we saw with Lockheed Martin 9 to 12 months ago. What does it mean? It means, in my opinion, Pfizer should have been down. It's not. It's going higher. chart doesn't tell you a whole hell of a lot, but if you look at it, I think this thing breaches 40 within the next six months. Guy, it's Tim. Hi. Welcome back. <laughs> Thanks, Your valuation here is great, but the stock's annualized at 2% over the last four years. How come? Well, because, the stock, you know, Pfizer's not been in the penalty box necessarily, but they haven't had the breakout drug you need to get this to the next level. However, in my opinion, if these investments, these biotech investments, take hold as part of this reorganization that they announced, this stock should take it to the next level. A lot of analysts warming up to this, so that's why I think it goes higher.
2: All right. No more questions. Time to vote. Are you buying Guy's pitch on Pfizer? Grasso. Uh,
3: Yes, I'd be a buyer. I have owned it for
4: years. It's a big yielder, 3.6 percent yielder. So you get uh, a little bit of a double bonus.
5: Karen. Yes, I'm a buy. You had me at valuation, Guy, as always. And I agree. Something also conspiracy theory today with the president and the the remarks. (laughs) Throw those two together. Bye.
1: Tim. I was a little hard on my friend, a guy on his first day back from vacation, but I'm a buyer, too. I think this company is very defensive here, and there's a lot of optionality in it.
2: All right. The team here has spoken. Now it's your time, your turn to vote. Would you buy Guy's pitch on Pfizer? You can tell us now in our Twitter poll. Oh, guys, it's not looking good right now. Um, the results oh, later sorry. on in the show. Plus, still ahead, Bitcoin and pot. Oh. Need I say more? More fast money in two. Welcome back to Fast Money. It's been a relatively quiet summer for Bitcoin so far, and it looks as though the once-hot cryptocurrency may be slowly fading from public memory. Bob Pisani is at the NYSE with more. Bob.
11: Hello, Melissa. This is pretty simple, folks. As the price has come down, the volume of trading has declined. Not only that, the public interest has declined as well. Let me show you here. First, Bitcoin searches on Google began spiking in the spring of last year. Look at that spike up there. It peaked around Christmas, and then it's been dropping notably into January. Now, since then, since the middle of January, interest has paralleled the price interest. The search interest has paralleled the price action. Occasionally, it spikes up, but generally, search interest has been on a slow downward descent all year. Elsewhere, this week, the level of search Interest was less than one-tenth the level at its peak last December. Now, even social media posts have been declining. Jazz indexes, buzz indexes, excuse me, tracks investor sentiment across large cap stocks, mostly by monitoring commentary on Twitter and on stock twits. Now, as you can see, the volume of posts on Bitcoin hit a high in December When the price hit a high and has been declining since then. Now, there was a spike up in early February. You see that second little circle there? That coincided with Bitcoin dropping almost 50% in a little more than a week from roughly 11,000 to 6,000. Remember that? And that would coincide with the second leg down in Bitcoin. Now, it's not just Bitcoin, by, by the way. I know what you're thinking here. The total volume in trading of cryptocurrencies in general has also shown the same pattern. The volume levels are one-tenth what they were during the December peak. In other words, crypto traders are not switching to other coins. That's not the story here. They're just trading less in general. Back to you, Melissa.
2: All right, Bob, thanks for that. Bob Pisani. For more, let's bring in our next guest. You know him as a technician on the great CNBC show Trading Nation. Everybody knows that, right? But what you didn't know is that when he's not busy digging into his charts, he's actually mining Bitcoin. Craig Johnson is a chief market technician at Piper Jaffray. He joins us now. So you got how many how many rigs do you have going here? Well,
10: Melissa, it's definitely a hobby, right? <laughs> okay. My pure passion is the overall markets, and I enjoy stocks, bonds, commodities, and doing strategy work. But we do have a fair number of uh, miners running, and it's been a nice uh, father-son project that we've. Uh, been doing for a little over a year now, so it's on a uh, hot day.
1: Does the air conditioning <laughs> get shut off, or do you keep it
10: keep the power going? Uh, the air is never shut off. There's <laughs> actually two units in the house, and it doesn't shut off. I mean, these units are hot, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. these units put out 45. But in the winter,
2: beat. I'm sure you can derive the you know, your heating <laughs> bill goes lower because of the mining equipment.
10: If I could put a greenhouse on the back <laughs> of you know places where we run these things, and that would be terrific, right? I'm sure some people could even heat their homes with Bitcoin right. miners. Uh, because they do put out 4,500 BTUs. Of You're heat. talking about that guy, right? That's, oh, that's what I'm yeah. looking at. Anyway, to. all right. This is all,
2: I mean, I'm just fascinated by the fact Correct. that you do this on the side for a hobby. But back to, back to what we're seeing here. I mean, what Bob was speaking to is really the lack of volatility. Lack of interest translates to lack of volatility in the coin. And that definitely coincides with the introduction of futures in December. Correct. So is that a good thing or a bad,
10: bad thing I think this is all the natural progression of any sort of new technology. Think back to the Internet in the 1990s. I actually started a sunglass company when I came home from grad school in 1995. Everybody looked at me and said, what are you doing creating a sunglass company? Who's going to buy anything on the Internet? And lo and behold, we now have something called Amazon out there that's much larger. And so from my perspective, this quiet period that Bob is mentioning is actually a good thing. You've had your parabolic advance. You're going through kind of a correction and a resetting of expectations. And that's where I think we're at. We saw that with the Internet, and I think you're seeing that now with the cryptocurrencies.
2: So, you are a technician, and you do have charts, of course. Absolutely. (laughs) Walk us us through the charts.
10: So, if you take a look at the chart of Bitcoin, what we're seeing here is, right now, we're seeing some pretty good support coming in, around 6,000 on the uh, chart of Bitcoin. You'll also note that we put a downward trending uh, line on the chart, and you'll notice we started to reverse that downtrend on the chart. So, from my perspective, it looks like we're trying to kind of wash out sentiment is washing out that Bob has talked to. You look at the chart here, and it looks like Bitcoin is sort of washing itself out at this point in time. So definitely like what I'm starting to see with this chart. It looks optimistic.
1: Craig, are you seeing any separation between Bitcoin and the other currencies? Again, charts only because they've all been trading in lockstep.
10: In terms of the other cryptocurrencies, I think the real game going forward is not necessarily going to be Bitcoin, Litecoin, or those. I think that the real currencies going forward will be some of these alternative currencies. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's going to be more upside in some of those names. Coins that are focused on privacy, where you can actually mix the wallets together and kind of hide where you're moving money to and from. People want that anonymity. you got some countries like Monaco that's coming out with their own coin. A lot of billionaires there want a little privacy with their money. So they're doing some of these kind of things. Whether we like it or not or agree with it, those things are happening. You also have storage coins that are out there that look pretty attractive to me, right. too. So I think these alternatives are where the money is going to be at. And think about Bitcoin and Litecoin as really silver and gold, and they're just a store of value. Okay. Craig, thank you. I appreciate it. All
2: right. Um, Karen, where do you stand on Bitcoin with the stamp in volatility that we've been talking about? Are you bullish like Craig?
5: Uh, I, I am actually. I mean, I, I you know I have some Bitcoin exposure. It's interesting to me. I really don't buy into the six thousand is the you know cost to the, the cost of mining. However, if enough people believe six thousand is the cost of mining, so it must be a floor.
2: That's funny. Well, <laughs> yeah.
5: Okay. So that actually sort of seems to hold. I'm kind of surprised,
2: but so that's interesting to me. Yeah, we do have some breaking news here. You see the bottom of your screen. Comcast is increasing their offer for sky the $34 billion. We'll have much more on that on the other side of this break. Meantime, up next, pot stocks have been cooling off, but there's three names in the group that the traders think are worth a hit. We'll tell you what they are. Live at the NASDAQ Market Site in Times Square, much more fast and much more on that new Comcast bid on the other side of this break. Breaking
8: news on Comcast bid for Sky. Let's get to Meg Terrell in the newsroom. Meg. Hey, Melissa. Well, the bidding war for Sky keeps heating up with Comcast uh, putting out a superior offer just now. The company saying in a statement uh, that it today published an announcement containing the terms of an increased superior cash offer for the entire issued and to be issued share capital of Sky to £14.75 per share. Now, this implies a value of $34 billion or £26 billion for the fully diluted share capital of Sky. Now, they say uh, in this announcement that its increased offer has been recommended by the Sky Independent Committee of Directors. Now, of course, this follows, Mel, uh, a bid from Fox earlier today up to $32.5 billion. Now we've got from Comcast, CNBC's parent company, $34 billion. You are seeing Comcast just a tiny bit uh, in the after hours. Uh, Sky down marginally, uh, Fox down marginally as well. Mel, back to you. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Meg Terrell. Karen,
2: I turn to you because uh, taking a look at how Sky has traded, I mean, Sky has been trading above Yes. This raised offer. Correct, right. So there's... there's already. Already. So <laughs> it's not a
5: surprise. I'm wondering if actually maybe it'd be a tiny bit of disappointment that the offer wasn't even higher, higher. than this. I don't know. I also don't know if it's a placeholder offer and that they just, you know, want to sort of be in the game and there's a lot more to come. We could see. But figuring where it started, though, which was many pounds ago, I think, what was the original 10? I don't know, 11 maybe? Maybe it's so... This is up a lot, but I think if you could buy it at about 14.95 pence, it's probably
2: interesting. I think you have a floor there, and you have. If you can a, buy it, meaning if you could buy it, if like if one could if, in if the one UK, could buy it in likely, likely the bidding war will continue. Yes, and,
5: and if it doesn't, the higher. risk reward is attractive because right. there is a floor or, there.
2: Yeah,
1: and and again, I get the sense that the bidding can go higher here because you know Comcast could just decide that. Look, I mean. Sky is a very important strategic piece for a global empire that they arguably have, but certainly want to enhance. And, and you could make an argument that that is a piece that might be more important than the rest of the Fox assets, or at least certainly they're going at this and they're hedging their bets, and certainly tells me that they may have some insight into how they want the, the Disney you know, battle to go down.
2: There's a limited amount of cash in the world for each company, for every company out there, mm. in terms of what they can lever on their balance sheet. Um, Comcast raises their offer here for Sky. Does that constrain them from making a full-throated effort for the rest of Fox? Fox. Does
3: that mean they're putting up the white flag for Fox? I don't know. I'm just
2: just trying to game this out.
3: One of the things I said a while back is I'm not convinced that Comcast actually really wanted the Fox. I thought they were sort of bidding up to make Disney bid up in the end and maybe the Sky deal is what they wanted all along. I have no idea, but I'll say this. They've driven up, they being the participants, valuations in the whole space to levels where it makes properties like CBS, in my opinion, way too cheap. Yeah,
4: so to, to Karen's point, the fact that there's not that much reaction right now makes me think it's suspect to everything. And I still still stick with the CBS that Guy and I picked. This is the where, where you're going to get the bang for your buck or else you would have seen it. In those names that you're seeing right now even though it's after hours.
2: Well you know no surprise there was unusual activity in the options market in the media space today so let's get to Mike Cohen San Francisco for what he was looking at. Mike.
3: Yeah so maybe not surprisingly or perhaps surprisingly Comcast was the most active in the options space and we did see some bullish activity in there. Overall, over 54,000 calls trading, and the most active of those was the July 35s. And sort of speaking to the limited amount of cash that one might have, one way to think about this is that if some debt is used to finance purchases of companies, and let's say Comcast is taking that debt on, it can make sense to use options to make your directional bets in the stock, whether they're bullish or bearish, and they have been bullish, because that increased leverage could add to the volatility of the stock, the underlying equity. So that might be the reason we're seeing this. We're seeing a lot of deal space uh, flow here going on in these names. And, uh, you know, the options markets are definitely reflecting that activity.
2: What, what's your thoughts here in terms of how would you use the options market? I mean, you, you do both. Right. I, I think I would, although I, I
5: was wondering, if I, had, I had a different interpretation mm-hmm. of Comcast call buyer, okay. which is they think that Comcast is dropping out, right? Oh, yeah. That there's concerned that right. there had been concern that they would just keep going. Right. So I don't know. It's a I love. I, I don't know. These are very interesting ways to play it because the amount of debt and the option. There is so much going on. There's so much news. It can't all be perfectly priced in.
1: Can I ask a dumb question? Yeah. If ultimately they're bidding for Fox and at the same time they're bidding for an asset that Fox is also bidding for um, in Sky, would, are, are they bidding against themselves you know, effectively mm-hmm. when they're bidding up the price of Sky?
2: I don't have an answer. It's a, I think
1: it's a, good point. It's a okay. good
2: point. Maybe not a dumb question. Um, for more options action, check out the full show Friday, 5:30 p.m. Eastern Time. Up next, the results of the poll on Guy's pitch and the Ooh. final trades. You know what one side effect of taking too much of Pfizer's Viagra is? Oh, well, what? I... No, not what you think. But you could end up listening to marathon sessions of Tony Braxton's "Unbreak My Heart" because America oh, is not buying Guy's oh. fast pitch for Pfizer.
3: I mean, I, I was worried. <laughs> I, was worried it too. I was worried it. too. I saw
2: it in the prompter. I paused for a So you a read? So you saw it? So you I, read. I,
1: I, I ran straight on. Hmm. Right? Yeah. All right. Maybe Time for the final train. No.
2: Tim. C. Well, we're going to
1: talk about cannabis. Canopy is the name in the brand. Global brand, CGC.
5: Carewoman. Yeah, I'm longing. it. It's been very bumpy, but I'm long it going into earnings. Delta. Grasso.
3: General Electric. I'm long. Stay long. Song is the reason you need Viagra. Pfizer drug people, PFE. What does that mean? It means I'm arm Thanks for watching. See <laughs> back
2: here tomorrow at 5. Mad Money Starts Right Now.
0: People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Jenny!